So this past week we had two big feast days. We had All Saints and All Souls, and it's very nice that these feasts that are oriented towards and make us meditate and contemplate death and the last things, the things that happen after death, it's it's helpful that they happen this time of year. It's very appropriate because we're in the in the fall, in the autumn right now, and things are dying. And and winter is, is on its way. And in our first reading in our gospel, we hear Jesus, and we hear from the book of Maccabees, this talk about the afterlife and the contemplation of the realities that are after this life. And any of us, and I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of one of those people that like my my weak spot with YouTube videos is sports highlights, and I love seeing like Barry Sanders highlights or Walter Payton and some of these greats throughout history that were kind of around, especially before my time, and and watching them and and what they could do. And, you know, it's very interesting, you know, just as a point of, of meditation and contemplation is just nobody beats time. These incredible athletes that have existed in every sport and every time, nobody can outlast. And they can't keep it going past, generally speaking, their mid-30s. And the same goes for all of us. Everybody that has come before us in human history, outside of two people, and even those two people died, but they they rose, Mary and Jesus, um, have died, have died. So we're all we're all facing death, and we need not fear death as Christians if we're. If we're being obedient and we are following God's prescription for us, then we need not fear death, and we ought to be like St. Paul. If, and, and death is the ultimate fear. But it's important for us to not fall into what is kind of a popular notion in today's day and age, which is we either just avoid talking about death, we don't think about it. We distract ourselves until eventually we're just kind of gone. We just can completely distract ourselves. Or we make up our own notions about what happens to us after we die. Instead of listening to what God himself said when he came, the creator of the universe became a human being. It's probably a good idea to listen to him and how he says things go when we die. Jesus, of course, when he came, as he speaks here in the gospel about what happens after death, Jesus speaks very, very commonly throughout the four gospels about heaven and about hell. Those are the two eternal destinations for us as human beings. And so we should live our lives with those two eternal realities in mind. We know that at the moment that we die, 
we enter into what's called a particular judgment. And it's there if we're in friendship with God. We hear those beautiful words that we all long to hear. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Come and receive the beauty and the treasures that have been prepared for you in the paradise before you were even born. And those are the words we want to hear. We want to die in friendship with God. Jesus is the way. And so, I'd just like to say a few words about about heaven, as Jesus does today. So, the Catechism speaks about heaven, and it says this. Those who die in God's grace and friendship and are perfectly purified, if we're not perfectly purified, and we are not in a state of what the church would call mortal sin, then we go through what's called purgatory. If you go to purgatory, though, you're only going one place. You're only going up. It's it's kind of like a hurrah moment when you, even if you know you're in purgatory, it might be difficult, but you're going you're going up. You're going to heaven. They are like God forever, for they will see Him as He is face to face. The perfect life with the Most Holy Trinity, this communion of life and love with the Trinity, with the Blessed Virgin Mary, the angels, and all the blessed is called heaven. Heaven is the ultimate end and fulfillment of the deepest human longings, the state of supreme, definitive happiness. Now, I mentioned this on All Saints, but when I was... uh, I think when I was a, a young man, a, a kid, I used to kind of think about heaven as being boring because of the definitions I heard about heaven. And what I would, what I would think about heaven, it would just be like, well, what am I going to do? You know, it just kind of sounds like very boring. And um, I, heard, I heard a priest or somebody say something like, you know, mass is the mass that we're celebrating right now. Is the is is like the closest beginning, and it's like a foretaste of what heaven will be like. And I remember thinking, so you're telling me heaven is is like mass, and I'm I'm a kid at this point, and I was like, that sounds kind of more like hell in some ways, <laughs> and um, and it's just me being honest, and hopefully not too. Uh, blasphemous here uh, from the pulpit. I have the greatest reverence for the Mass, and I've come to appreciate and understand how Mass is a foretaste of heaven now. But as a kid, it was very difficult for me to understand that concept. I'd like to read this quote from Frank Sheed. He's a famous guy from the 1950s. He's one of the most straightforward, clear thinkers. If you're ever interested in, in looking into any of Frank Sheed's Stuff. So this was written in 1958 by Frank Sheet. He's talking about heaven from a book called In Heaven, Blindness Ends. This is Sheet. For all men in heaven, the condition first planned by God will have been restored and better than restored. So it's even better than when we pictured the Garden of Eden. The soul will be obedient to God in a closeness and ecstasy of union that unfallen Adam never knew. 
The body, now glorified, will be completely obedient to the soul. Here on earth, our body so often hinders our soul by providing competing pleasures. Even in its prime, the body does not respond perfectly to the animating energies pouring into it from the soul, but has all sorts of imperfections and ailments. It limits the soul. The body limits the soul. So that we are unable to carry out this or that choice of the will because we find that the body is not up for it. In heaven, it will be completely obedient, completely responsive, not tangling the soul in its own limitations, wholly for the soul's use. On earth, even the saints have not experienced that. We get only hints and glimpses, nothing clear and definite about the details of what life will be like in heaven. What the soul does with this new, with this so newly obedient body, for example. As St. Paul tells us in Corinthians, eye has not seen nor ear heard what God has prepared for those who love him. But after the resurrection of the body, and so just to say clearly so everybody is aware of this, hopefully we all know this, we get our bodies back. That's what we mean by resurrection of the dead. We don't mean that our souls just go to heaven. Eventually, at the end of time, all of us are going to get our bodies back just like Jesus got his body back in the resurrection. They will be fully restored and renewed. After the resurrection of the body, the essential bliss of heaven is still the direct seeing of God by the intellect, totally in contact with him. All of its joys of will and emotion, the senses are conditioned by that. The whole being is fully fulfilled without emptiness or frustration. For many, perhaps most of us, the first reaction to such a straightforward statement about heaven is a feeling that there seems to be, and this is young John Haniotis, as I was saying, is there's a feeling that there seem to be a lot of earthly pleasures we'll miss rather badly. We imagine ourselves occasionally looking back with longing to the dear dead days before we were raised to eternal bliss. It's hard to avoid sometimes thinking like that, yet we should smile when we catch ourselves doing it. We are very much like the child enjoying his tin soldiers with a cowboy outfit, sorry for his older brother who wastes his time on girls, and his father who does crossword puzzles, sure that he will never be as silly as either of them. The truth is that each new state of maturity in life involves finding new pleasures and shedding old ones. The assumption that if we, that we, the assumption that we, if I find the pleasures of heaven less satisfying than those of earth, means that we expect never to mature, but to stay eternally present at our present level. What the joy of heaven will be, we cannot realize here. There is no way of making making actual to ourselves an experience that we have never had. Adult joys cannot be conveyed to children. The delight or even the meaning of color cannot be conveyed to a blind person. In heaven, the blindness of earth will be gone and we shall be at last grown up. 
It's good to think about heaven. All the saints say you should think about heaven every day. You should think about hell every day. And if we're thinking about the end, we're putting together the proper context for reality. And so, um, we want to live our lives with these things in focus. This is kind of just one last point here. This is why priests and religious sisters are celibate. We intentionally give up marriage for the sake of promoting and being witnesses to the kingdom of God. We don't give up marriage as priests for practical reasons so that we can pour out more time giving ourselves to the people of God. We do it so that we can fully consecrate even our bodies to God. And so that we can start to show now that God can satisfy the priest who lives out his celibacy properly and is in a deep relationship with the living God, that this is real. This is real. Heaven is real. Christ is real. When everybody dies, they will be not married, as Jesus said. And that might make some of us sad. That might make some of us happy. But, I'm just joking, but when we die, we will be closer to our spouses than when we were living. We will be in perfect union with the communion of saints and with God. And God will fill us in a way that none of us are capable, as Sheed says here, of understanding. And we will be fully animated alive and what we were actually intended for. Lord, we ask you to keep us on the paths to heaven. Help us to not be presumptuous of our salvation, but by making our own laws and um, making up our own rules and going against what you have taught us through the church and through your son Jesus. Help us, Lord, to be looking and planning our lives and living our days on a daily basis with heaven in mind and with hell in mind as well. Help us, Lord, to enjoy heaven now. Help us to live in that communion. Help us to be in full communion with you, receiving the sacraments regularly. And help others to taste heaven inside of us. And help us to evangelize others through your presence in us. We ask this all through Christ our Lord. Amen. And let us take a few moments in silent prayer, just listening to and speaking with the Lord in our hearts.